This is a podcast by The Straits Times. I met with Malaysia Bureau Chief Shannon Teo to get his insights. Shannon, first of all, your thoughts on the finalised candidates for this general election. Any surprises? Anything that stood out for you? I wouldn't say surprises necessarily, right? Because uh, a lot of the, the, the things that we we're looking out for today, this was actually all the drama in the past week, right? I mean, there was a lot of unhappiness at the candidate slates that were being announced by the, the various parties. A, a lot of uh, well-known leaders found that they were dropped from the list. So they, they were going around the country saying that this is not the right thing. I'm still going to defend my seat, so on and so forth. And today we saw that it actually did happen. Um, there is obviously someone from PKR, um, Anwar Ibrahim's party. He was a two-term Batu uh, MP, and that's a seat just nearby us in Kuala Lumpur. So he's going to stand against the actual PKR candidate and from all the other parties. It's a crazy seat. There's going to be 10 candidates there, right? So it's, it's obviously a lot of people are going to be disappointed. In fact, we're looking at people possibly losing their deposit because they can't get enough votes. It's, it's going to be a, a, a very tightly fought seat. But more importantly, I think for Amno, right? It dropped a lot of warlords, a lot of very influential people, a lot of uh, people who are influential in, in their little regions where, where they are. And very importantly, up in Perlis. Now, this is a state Amno has never lost, right? And they've dropped Shahidan Kasim. Now, he was a long-time uh, chief minister there, and he is actually a caretaker minister right now. So he's gone out not only to contest as an independent, that's what most guys would do if they're unhappy with their parties. He's actually gone and joined the opponents there, Perikatan Nacional, right? Perikatan Nacional actually has a very good chance of winning the state now, and this might be the first time Amno actually loses Perlis. So uh, there is a things that actually change the political calculation, right? We've got approval ratings, we've got a lot of uh, analysis about who might win uh, more seats, fewer seats, where, which regions are they stronger in. But the, the local uh, aspect, right, when, when there could be potential sabotage, there could be potentially a leader from your own party saying, don't vote for my party, that's going to change the matrix quite a fair bit. So uh, it's, it's going to be an election that was already too close to call, now it's just going to get messier and I'm happy that I just have to report the facts and not just try and, and tell you and predict things because I really don't know what's going to happen. I want to zoom in on the figures, uh, Shannon. Caretaker PM Ismail Sabri says his BN coalition is confident of winning the majority of seats this election and being the dominant party in government. Looking at the candidates and competition, is this a possibility? Well, I think no one goes into a competition and say they're going to lose, right? No one's going to say that. And of course, you say you're going to, in, in an election contest, you will say that I'm going to form the majority so that just my coalition alone, we can, we can form the next government. Everyone's going to say that. But I think, realistically, uh, none of the coalitions are very confident of hitting the magic number. We're talking about 112 out of the 222 parliamentary seats, and that gives you a simple majority, right? I think the game here is who is going to be the biggest Right, even though you don't cross that number. So we have three main coalitions. If you the, the idea is that if you hit about 80, 90 seats, you'll definitely be bigger than the other two. And that puts you in the pole position uh, to form government. And I think for Barisan National, that's a realistic target. Be bigger than the rest. Hitting simple majority on their own, I think uh, it's going to be uphill battle. Opposition leader Anwar Ibrahim is contesting in Tambun, a new seat for him. Now he's up against incumbent Ahmad Faisal, who is a Tambun local. Now we have said that this election could be his final bid in becoming PM. 
What are his chances in Tambun and finally heading the government? Well, let's talk about Tambun first, right? So, Anwar's not from Para. Uh, he's going up against a, not just a local, but uh, Faisal or Peja as, as, as locals call him. Peja has been, was the Menteri Basa, right? So, he was the Chief Minister of the State. He's also the Caretaker Youth and Sports Minister. He's also uh, Basatu, which is Muhyiddin Yassin's party. He's the Deputy President there. So, this is not just some local guy, right? It's a guy who's got a lot of political office behind him. Uh, he used to be with Amno in, in pretty high up circles. He used to be a political secretary for some big uh, figures in Barisan National as well. So it's going to be an interesting battle, right? Anwar is basically signaling that if you want to win and if I want to form government, and this comes to the second question, then we've got to beat all these guys, got to win the tough seats, right? So I'm going to go into one of the tough seats, right? So he's, in a sense, leading by example. And whether they can form government is, a, is again, the same question like the Barisan National question, right? Can you be the most dominant bloc? And perhaps for Pakatan Harapan, there is an added complication. If you look at the status of parliament just before the, the, the uh, dissolution last month, right, on October 10, Pakatan Harapan was the biggest bloc. They had 90 MPs, they had more than everyone else. How come they weren't in government, right? Well, because in Malaysia, the politics works such that no one really wanted to work with Anwar Ibrahim or with one of his component parties, Democratic Action Party, there is this race element involved, right? And they felt that uh, they've been talking to their supporters so much about how the, uh, DAP is, uh, you know, going to uh, undermine Malay Muslim interests. So Amno, PAS, Basatu, these mainly Malay majority parties, they find it very difficult to work or to convince their supporters that it's okay to vote with Pakatan Harapan. So we'll have to see after the November 19 vote, how they can kind of, if it's necessary, how they can kind of shift that rhetoric. And maybe even this campaign over the next two weeks, that kind of view of DAP might change. Now, over in Langkawi, former PM Mahathir Mohamad is set to defend his seat. Dr. Mahathir told reporters he is contesting because he has unfinished business. He also did not rule out the possibility of working with others, but with conditions. Now, let, let's have a listen. We intend to work with other parties, but they must be clean parties, not led by, by uh, crooks and um, uh, jailbirds and all that. Parties that are not led by, quote, crooks and jailbirds. <laughs> Shannon... Your thoughts on his comments, what is he implying there? Can you imagine, Jan, when you're 97 years old, you have unfinished business? I hope I finish all my business by the time I'm 60, let alone 97. But he, what he is talking about is the fact that he came back into politics, right? He retired in 2003. 15 years later, he had to come back be Prime Minister again because of this 1MDB scandal, right? Which had afflicted, uh, you know, uh, Najib Razak, the former Prime Minister. Now, Najib is in jail. So when he's talking about jailbird politically, we know who he's talking about. We know the AMNO president, uh, Zahir Hamidi, who replaced Najib as AMNO chief. Um, he's facing a multitude of graft charges as, as well, I think about 47. And the verdict is due, was supposed to be due um, by the beginning of next year, right? That case is still ongoing. So these are the people he's referring to. And when you surmise all that, you put it together, it means that it's very difficult to work with AMNO. If Amno is going to be led by people who have corruption charges or even someone like Najib is still very influential, still pulling the strings from jail as it, as it were, right? 
Um, so that's, I think, what he's trying to say. What he's trying to say is that if uh, his coalition called GTA, but largely his own party, Perjuang, right, are able to have a few MPs, if they are going to go into a coalition or, or to form government in one of the or their other main coalitions, it's very unlikely that it's going to be Barisan National. That's why he's signaling. He's signaling to Perikatan, he's signaling to Pakatan, and in fact, the parties out in uh, East Malaysia and Sabah and Sarawak that that's if we can form a government that doesn't involve AMNO because they're being led by, in his words, uh, crooks and jailbirds, right? As with every election campaign, there will be promises and pledges. So today, for instance, uh, Muhyiddin says PN is ready to offer Malaysians a clean and stable government. Will that have any traction with voters? And what are some key issues uh, that the election results are likely to turn on? And if I have to ask Shannon as well, what will you be watching out for in the next two weeks before Malaysians go to the poll on November 19th? I think the last two questions, probably the same question, right? Mm -hmm. What will it turn on is exactly what we'll be looking at. I mean, this campaign promises about uh, being free of corruption. And no one's going to go out there and say that I'm going to be a corrupt government, right? So everyone's going to say that we're going to be uh, anti-corruption and so on and so forth. But who actually has the credentials to talk about that? Uh, clearly not Barisan National, given, given their, their background and all the attacks against Barisan National. So I think for Barisan National, they can campaign on uh, kind of peace and prosperity, economic stability, so on and so forth. Um, for Prekata National, I think... Muhyiddin saying that is kind of like having a bit of each thing, right? This whole idea of we are against corruption, but we can also offer stability. Barisan National is not the only one. Now, whether he can put the narrative uh, across is, a, is going to be a big challenge. After all, when he, he was prime minister just for 18 months, so obviously he could, could not provide stability, right? I'm not saying that it's necessarily his fault, but it's not something where it's not a promise where you have the track record to 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 back it. Neither can Pakatan Harapan also kind of back a slogan like stability. So in fact, Pakatan has a completely different uh, uh, narrative altogether, right? They they are looking at a lot of economic reforms. Uh, in fact, pushing very hard towards the youth vote, promising jobs, uh, lower cost housing, things like that, right? So everyone is going on at at uh, attacking this election at a different angle. I think it's going to hinge on two or three very key uh, messages, right? One is the question of inflation, right? And uh, like many other countries in the world, we've hit uh, very high levels of inflation this year. And this is coming off the back of a pandemic. So you've just come out of one economic crisis, hoping that you survive, and then you start going out and you see that all the prices are a lot higher. It's really difficult, right? So it's an economic message, but a lot hinging on inflation. Uh, corruption is still there, right? That question hasn't... Uh, gone away and the fact that we have more younger voters this time because of only Lapan Blas lowered the voting age to 18 from 21. Um, a lot of younger voters, um, I wouldn't say surprisingly or unsurprisingly, they seem to be more concerned with things like corruption and climate change, very forward thinking. In fact, I like to say that they are very concerned about the world after the boomers have ruined it, right? So now they want to see how can we fix the world? We need to fix these two big C's, right? Climate change and corruption. So for the different segments, there are different concerns, but I think it's largely those, those kind of issues, right? And when you talk about inflation, yes, you're talking about fiscal policy, things like um, whether we're going to reintroduce GST, you know, that, that's what people talk about. Is it, go, is it going to cause even more price hikes? How can this government sustain things like subsidies? Uh, what is the, the, the economic program for, as you were talking about, creating more jobs, you know? Um, 
lowering the, the, the cost of housing and so on and so forth. So it is going to be quite bread and butter. I don't think it's, I think the personality politics isn't going to be so strong this time because to be very, very honest, if you go out to the average Malaysian, a lot of them wouldn't say that I'm a big supporter of candidate A or B. They have a preferred candidate, but I don't think because I'm a big fan, right? There isn't the, the in that sense, the Mahade effect that we used to have maybe even in 2018. Shannon, thank you for your perspectives. Estes Malaysia Bureau Chief, Shannon Teo. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.